Welcome everyone to the RV Podcast, episode 399. It's one away from 400. And this week we talk about what it's like going from a motorhome to a fifth wheel. Hello everybody, I'm Mike Wendland and this is my lifelong traveling companion and my bride, Jennifer. And we are coming to you this week from Kentucky Lake. We are in mid-Tennessee, about 90 minutes uh, west of Nashville, in one of the most beautiful areas of the South. The Tennessee River uh, was dammed up in Kentucky and it formed this massive, well they call it Kentucky Lake. This massive lake that is part of the Great Loop from the Great Lakes to the Gulf of Mexico. You can literally go anywhere in the world uh, right out there in that water. And we are uh, here to check out um, a new RV land development called Paradise Landing. They're having a big sale on June 25th and uh, we'll have a video Saturday. Uh, but the unique thing is these are RV lots that you own, 100% ownership, you own their right on the Kentucky Lake. I mean, you can put a dock in, you can uh, put a little, uh, some of, we've seen a couple of them, there's a, like a little swimming platform in as well. Um, and uh, we're gonna show you all about it, it'll be in that video. We literally just got here. So, um, so that's all we can say about it, except uh, uh, the folks here are gonna let us stay for the week. So we're gonna have a lot of fun. We'll shoot a video and, uh, and probably do some more work, uh, uh, some regular work. and kind of stretch out this mood stocking stay as long as we can. Yeah, this is absolutely wonderful. It's peaceful, it's quiet, we can hear the birds. Uh, we have electricity and water, so uh, we can enjoy those luxuries. You're probably hearing our air conditioner right now. Temperature's about 86 degrees. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, this is nice. Uh, and I can't wait for the, for the uh, freighters yeah to go uh, up well they're not really freighters they're, they're freighters. barges and, barges. and re neat river traffic um it's great bass fishing out there but we'll tell you all about that in there in a saturday video that we're doing on it um this is our very first long trip in our new arcadia fifth wheel we've had it about five weeks now we did a shakedown cruise in michigan Mm -hmm. Loved it, had a great time. Yeah, we did. Our first uh, trip was to a local park where we parked it for over three weeks, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, we used it as kind of a set, you know, we shot some videos there, uh, all of which we'll be releasing, including a full walk around tour of it and all that stuff. But this was our first real test of driving the fifth wheel. We're going to talk about that in. Uh, our topic of the week section, what it's like driving a fifth wheel compared to a motorhome, what it's like camping in a fifth wheel compared to a motorhome. Uh, and we've uh, had enough use of it now that we can give you some of our impressions and opinions and you can take them or leave them. But um, uh, suffice it to say, we are enjoying the room. We'll tell you more about that in a little bit. But we've traveled about 700 miles from our Michigan home. Mm -hmm. And um, like everybody, we're finding those incredible fuel prices. For diesel, I've been paying about 560, 570 a gallon. So I haven't hit the $6 mark and that's in, uh, I bought in Michigan before we, uh, we came down. I bought in Ohio and I bought in, uh, in Kentucky. Um, so uh, that's about what we averaged. Uh, we'll talk to you more about all that coming up in just a second. But uh, 
the first uh, impression we have is um, Michigan has to have the worst roads in the country. We've talked about that before. Oh, it was a horrible start to this long trip. In fact, I thought, I don't think I can take this. It was like riding a horse. Yeah, it getting, was. Getting through Detroit and out of Michigan. Then we crossed into Ohio and the roads miracul miraculously were better. And, uh, you know, it just doesn't fly that it's because of ice and snow and heavy trucks because there's a lot of other That's states. That's what they say. They make that That's excuse, Michigan, Michigan official. Oh, it's because we have freezing, well, you know, of course it's freezing. there's other states yep. that uh, have ice and snow and salt and yep. heavy trucks. But and anyway, are better. Yeah, it got better since we hit Ohio and it was great all the way through Ohio, all the way through Kentucky and uh, here in Tennessee. Uh, so, um, so the driving part uh, is much better. We'll talk about that. Um, we do have some reader feedback we want to talk about, and uh, the first comes uh, from a tip from a reader named David. You want to read David's this is, tip? This is a good tip, just uh, something that David wanted to share. Never flush your toilet with a ceiling fan on. If it's open and running, it's going to, you're going to discover that that air from your black tank is going to be sucked up into your bathroom. So uh, don't do it. And that's true of any kind of uh, RV that you're in, a trailer, a fifth wheel, a motorhome. If you have that fan in, uh, you know, don't uh, flush your toilet when that sand is on, a fan is on because uh, it's going to suck all that odor up. Suck that smell uh, up. Flush your toilet, and then you can put it on after you, you shut the lid and stuff. But uh, that's a great tip. We mm -hmm. learned that many years ago the hard way. Yep. Yeah, we did. Yep. And uh, we talked about, we just had a big post on the blog about this um, incredible epidemic of uh, Cadillac, uh, catalytic converter thefts. And we had uh, a piece of email come in from one of our readers named Susie. And uh, you want to read Susie's note? Okay, my catalytic converter was stolen last fall at the Oregon coast. And we were at a park with almost a full parking lot and at least 25 to 30 people in view of my RV as my granddaughter walked down to the beach for about 45 minutes. I was shocked and grateful my insurance covered most of a new one. But a three-hour drive with all that noise was awful. We couldn't even talk to each other. It was so loud and it just spoiled her this, that grandma's weekend with her nine-year-old granddaughter. Everything had been so wonderful and then that. And uh, when uh, Susie talked with the sheriff, he said not much can be done to catch them and suggested that I uh, spray paint in a bright color. I chose fluorescent yellow and put the VIN number on it uh, that they were cracking down on the people that were buying them but uh, nowhere able to stop these thefts. And I did it all to my vehicle when I got home from that's, that awful camping trip. What yep. was wonderful was spoiled. Yep, that's it. Um, and the, there's just a big epidemic. We just had a big blog post. If you didn't see it, just go to RVLifestyle.com. That's RVLifestyle.com. You can find it. And uh, take care. It takes these just a couple of minutes to get them off. They've, they've practiced it. They slide under. They, they get it out of there. And you'll know when you went, you start up your uh, your RV, and uh, it'll make it, uh, you know, it'll make a, a terrible noise. And it's really on um, motorhomes. You have to worry about it. There aren't, isn't a catalytic converter on a on a trailer or a towable, but on a motorhome, uh, they'll grab them. They'll grab them from your tow vehicles. So um, uh, take some precautions. Read that article at RVLifestyle.com.
I don't know if you heard it a minute ago, there was a, a ping on my phone. And uh, we get this question a lot about, you know, what do you do about taking care of your house while you're gone? Well, that ping was from my Ring uh, camera. And I have a whole bunch of them all over the property in our Michigan home. And that was a ping that showed me motion at my front door. And it happened to be a FedEx guy bringing me a package. Now, we have a neighbor who checks and brings our stuff in, and that'll, that'll get done tonight. But... Uh, if you heard that ping, that's a great tip for you guys uh, when, when you're leaving home for a while. Um, you can check out Ring. I think there's a, several other cameras that you can use like that. We just happen to use the Ring system. And for security, it's so comforting to hear that noise. If uh, somebody's walking around out back, usually it's an animal, wandering around like your lower level, if you have a walkout or your windows, it's nice to have these cameras set up. So if anybody's near your house, yeah, so, you can see who it is. So we have that, and we have a, a burglar alarm system, and, mm -hmm. and uh, you want to have some security when you're when you're gone. All right, um, when we come back. Uh, we will talk about um, our experiences, what it's like going from a motorhome to a fifth wheel. And uh, before we do that again, uh, we are at uh, Paradise Landings in Mid Tennessee, just west of Nashville. Um, here's some information on uh, their sale that they have coming up on June 25th, and it gives you a quick peek of, uh, of where we are right now, and so we'll have our own video on Saturday, but here's some information uh, as uh, one of our sponsors for this podcast, the folks at Tennessee Land and Lakes who are developing Paradise Landing. Tired of overcrowded campgrounds and competing for reservations, paying high fees for sites? Well, ownership is an emerging trend in RVing that might be right for you. On June 25th, there is a big lakefront sales event at the Landings in Tennessee. Jennifer and I visited the Landings just west of Nashville. They offer incredible lakefront RV properties up to 70 times the size of typical RV lots with frontage on the biggest lake in Tennessee. We loved it. The scenery is breathtaking, and you own it outright, not a timeshare. Your property, your way. You can have your own private dock. You can landscape, garden. They're pet-friendly. It's gated and secure with high-speed internet. There's even free RV and boat storage. It's a wonderful place to make your home base. No more calling around for reservations, and ready whenever you want. Dockable lakefronts start at only $59,900. Financing and big discounts are available on multi-lot packages. For information, visit rvlakefrontland.com. That's rvlakefrontland.com. When we're on a road trip, we always seem to find a way to stop at a Camping World Center. There are over 225 Camping World locations across the country, and there's always one close by when we need parts and accessories for our RV or just want to shop. In fact, uh, we have so much fun with uh, Camping World. And as we talk about it, as one of our sponsors, they have agreed to offer a 10% discount. If you use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10, when you buy $99 or more in merchandise, you'll find everything you want from outdoor furniture and appliances, the ones you see us use in our videos and that we talk about here in the podcast. RV extras that include everything from camping chairs to fire pits, electrical accessories, must-have gadgets. Check them all out. And again, don't forget, use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you visit CampingWorld.com. Welcome back, everybody. Time for our topic of the week. And uh, here we are not posing as experts. 
because we've got a lot more camping to do in our new Arcadia fifth wheel. But we're ready now after about five weeks of use and uh, probably a thousand miles total that we've had with it to talk about some of the differences from going from a fifth wheel to a, uh, or from going from a motorhome, which we've had for 10 of the past 11 years, to a fifth wheel, which we picked up about five weeks ago. So, what are some of the differences? Some of the, the obvious difference that you have a lot more room in the fifth wheel, it really feels like a small home or a cottage that you're towing along behind you. And I have to say, other than Michigan where the roads were crummy and a little bit in uh, Tennessee, we ran in some rough roads. Oh, I-40, yeah. But you know, when you're driving, you look ahead and you see the car in front, you know, bobbing up and down, it's a good sign that uh, you're next. So adjust. Well, whatever you need to do to adjust to that. But the ride is uh, very smooth in our truck pulling the uh, fifth wheel. And uh, we can talk to each other without having to shout. You know, yeah. So that part of it is very, very comfortable. In the, in the driving part, there are some noticeable differences. The first is uh, it's hard sometimes to remember that it's back there. And you don't want that to happen. You always want to be aware that you're towing something. In our case, it's 32 feet long. Uh, you cannot make turns as sharp as you may be used to even in a motorhome, unless you have a Class A where you kind of are used to taking wide turns. Uh, so that's taken some getting used to. Uh, and the other thing is speed. Yes. You can't go 70, 75 as the limit is in some place, or more as many people do. You can't do that when you're towing a vehicle. Well, I suppose you can, but you're foolhardy if you do. Right, and I know you were shocked because you thought everybody was going to be tooting at us and getting mad at us for driving so slow, but you're discovering we are passing yeah. a lot of people. There are a lot of folks out there not going 80. <laughs> As I said at the top, this is our first long trip in it, about 700 miles, and uh, I kept the speed pretty much to 64, 65 all the way down those 700 miles and uh, I, I guess my first thing is there's always somebody slower uh, nobody flashed us obscene signals or looked particularly irritated I think twice we uh, we were passed on the right when we had to get in the center lane for various reasons but um, it wasn't a, a nerve-wracking experience. I expected people to be zipping in and around all over us. And uh, I expected that as well. It just didn't happen, I'm happy to say. Yep, and there's always somebody. Uh, many of the big 18-wheeler trucks are governed as to how fast they can go, and they have a, they're capped at 65 or so, maybe even a little less. And uh, uh, so you can get behind them. I, found, I noticed no porpoising effect from, from that at all. Uh, the actual driving has been a breeze, uh, and I've gotten used to going slower, and I think I, en I enjoy it. I think the hardest thing to remember is that it takes more time to break. Yes, to Don't stop. think that you can just drive like you normally do. You, you have to plan ahead a little bit and gently break. Yeah, two big driving things. Wide turns and slow, go slow, and then um, give yourself more braking time. That's something I'm... I'm working on, but I'm getting lots of help. Ah, you know, from, you just take the, the, <laughs> the alarmist. Well, I, I need an alarmist sometimes. So that part has been really good. The challenge. Um, my biggest 
I actually, I, I stayed up nights worrying about this, was hitching and unhitching. And um, after five weeks of doing it, I'm not as intimidated about that process as I used to be. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, using the hitch for the fifth wheel is really simple. One of our followers here for the podcast sent me a tip about getting uh, these little magnets, the little pole that comes off a magnet with the, like a yellow tennis ball on it. And you can order them on Amazon. I got two of them. One goes on the fifth wheel hitch. One goes on uh, the, uh, the, the kingpin, uh, right above the kingpin. I line those two up and I can come right to it. Uh, I, am, I, I suppose you could do it alone, but Jennifer's gotten really adept at watching it and telling me, you know, six inches, four inches, two inches, connected, you know, and that's been really helpful. So I would say it's nice to have somebody else there always. Yeah, I think that second person is uh, valuable. The challenge, the biggest challenge I face is in the leveling system. Uh, it's not as simple as it was on the motorhome. On our motorhomes, um, our Leisure Travel Van Unity, our Leisure Travel Van Wonder, which we still have, by the way, uh, it was just push a button, they would level all by themselves. Uh, this has a, a much more sophisticated leveling system. Uh, on the surface, they have an auto level button that will do it. They actually, it just did it for us here as we pulled into the landings. It leveled it perfectly. Um, last night, when I pulled into a KOA up in uh, Horse Cave, Kentucky, uh, I had all sorts of problems leveling it. It, it turns out I didn't follow the procedures. Uh, there is a written list of how to hitch and how to unhitch. I didn't follow it yesterday. And the big problem was that we got in too late in the day. It was dark. I rushed through it, skipped a couple of steps, and so we kind of slept uneven last night, but not bad. Hey, once we got so we could shut the door, I thought we were yeah. going to have to sleep it with the door. It was like that, and we finally figured it out. Uh, so that's a little bit more of a challenge, but I'm getting there. And uh, hopefully uh, a few more trips and it'll become second nature. And uh, I think the challenge for me is that... Uh, Two of our kids, uh, we have three kids, two of our kids, we can't pull into their driveway or park in front of their house. Right. That is the big thing. And and being um, uh, being real uh, spontaneous, like, hey, let's go, let's eat out or let's pull into this restaurant. Or in my case, hey, Jen, there's a Dairy Queen. Uh, it's a great way to stay on a diet because I just can't, you know, the, the unit's 32 feet, the truck is 21 feet. I can't just pull off and... Uh, and get into most fast food parking lots. So I said we might be losing some weight here. <laughs> We're just not going to go. Hey. Uh, so that is a, that's kind of a disappointment, you know. Uh, we have found that it, it. We are buying our fuel at uh, the big truck stops, Pilot or Loves, and uh, we you fuel up with the commercial guys. I, I kind of like that. They have a big nozzle, so you can really fill those tanks fast. I have the EFS card. We've talked about it a lot on the podcast and on the blog. It gives you a discount when you buy diesel. I've bought it def. twice. Or DEF, yeah. And uh, it looks to me I'm saving maybe 2 $3 uh, a, a fill-up. This has a th My truck has a 33-gallon tank. So I don't know how well worth it is, but what really is nice is filling up at those commercial pumps because uh, there's lots of room to get through. I was a little bit worried about the truckers thinking I was cutting it, but no, I'm not the only one. And really, they didn't understand that this thing is as long as some of those fifth wheels out, or some of those 18 wheelers out there. 
And uh, you appreciated paying what you're paying when you saw that the truck before you paid four hundred dollars for right. gas. Yeah, yeah. You pull up, you go in, and that, the, on the on the pump, it's four hundred dollars. That guy paid for his Ooh. truck. So mine, uh, mine was good. Uh, mileage. So I, w I thought that I would have terrible mileage with our F-250 pulling this thing. Uh, on our Wonder, uh, our rear twin bed Wonder from Leisure Travel Vans, uh, I've been averaging about 12 and a half miles per gallon. Now, when I drive, I'm a lead foot. She is. She, and she's I, not, she, she kind of speeds up, slows down. I speed down, up, speeds slow up. down. When I'm passing somebody, I speed up and get in front of them. You know, I, I don't keep it consistent. At I, all. I tend to use speed control as much as I can uh, for that level stuff, but it's about 12 and a half miles on Want the Wonder. Want me to get you to 10? Yeah, that's what you can do. <laughs> if I drive. So I'm getting 12, we've gone 700 miles almost now on this trip, and I'm averaging 12.6 miles a gallon on diesel with the F-250, pulling the 32 and a half foot fifth wheel. So it's about comparable from my book. Uh, you know, I'm, I can't complain, I mean, I can complain about diesel prices, but I can't complain about uh, getting less miles per gallon. It's really, really working out well, I think. So that takes the driving, the hitching. Uh, those are all things that you don't think about in a motorhome. In a motorhome, you kind of go, you hook up, and uh, it takes you two minutes to hook up. You plug in your electricity, set up your hose, and that's it. This is a little different. You got to level and chock the wheels. You should chock the wheels in a, in a motorhome, too. Right. But, and uh, something that I have found, I have more room now. So I, when I pack, I have to look at my refrigerator, or I have to look at every cupboard, and make sure I've got everything packed. And, and that takes us to, to the actual difference now between uh, not just driving and operating a motorhome in a fifth wheel, but actually living inside uh, the motorhome. Now, our motorhomes were all Class Bs or Class Cs. The longest we've had is about 25 feet. This is 32 and a half feet. It has two slides. So there's right away a lot of room. It's a small wardrobe slide in the bedroom, mm -hmm. which makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. And a um, room size uh, in the living room, I guess you'd call it, which houses the TV console and the cupboard. You'll see all of that in a couple of weeks. We're gonna do a big walkthrough of our fifth wheel, but uh, there are two slides. So that's what you talk about room. You mentioned packing. What other things about the well, inside? Well, I have a big pantry in this. I have a lot of cupboard space. I've got cabinets all over the place, so I have a lot of room to bring different things. And because I have a lot of room, I need to put on my thinking cap so that these things aren't moving around when we're driving. Because it's not like I'm in there, like in a motor home, where you can hear, say, oh, that doesn't sound right, yeah. and get up and fix it. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot more room. The other big thing, uh, we have two air conditioners. You can probably hear them running. And uh, they're fairly quiet inside. We can actually carry on a conversation. Uh, one is in the bedroom, which is great. Uh, we have a queen-size bed in there. We'll show you all of that and talk about that when we do our walkthrough. But um, it's, it's very comfortable. Uh, the air conditioners are great having two of them because it's the other big difference. This is a 50 amp electrical service, not 30. All of our motorhomes have been 30 amps because they were smaller motorhomes. Having the two air conditioners, which is Bo why you need 50. Bo has his and we have ours. Bo has his and we have ours. Speaking of Bo, he's got room. Yes, he does, and he seems to be enjoying it. Yep, so, so all of that stuff. So when we put it all together, uh, what's the difference? And I think the difference is staying in one place with the fifth wheel, whereas with the motorhome, 
you can kind of go and it's your main form of transportation unless you're towing a car or something with it. If you're going to do that, you might as well get something bigger. Uh, we can see this, for example, we're going to stay here a week or so, um, and this just stays in one place. Many of you know we have property in Tennessee, uh, not too far from here, and we're going to go visit that. We can take the truck, we can go into town, we can go out to dinner, we can explore. There's a winery we want to check out. We're not that far from the Natchez Trace. We can take the truck over there. The motorhome can stay right here. Uh, we don't have to unplug, we're not, and the truck is relatively much easier to park than our motorhomes. So that's been a pleasant surprise. Yes, and then with the motorhome, it's bigger, you know, to try to park than the, tr than the truck, but you can turn on the generator and turn the air conditioner on, and Bo is with us. That's right. Versus here, it's so <laughs> hot, the time of year that it is, that Bo can't stay in the truck by himself. We'd have to leave him in the it, Arcadia by himself, but I think he would, he would be just fine. Yeah, he's very comfortable in there. Um, but that is, a, a, in the motorhome, we often would leave Bo in and run the generator when we went in if we wanted to go out for dinner or if we were checking out a museum or something briefly. And we were very confident that he was fine. Um, we can't do that unless you, you don't want to leave the truck idling and uh, the air conditioning. So uh, that you can't, you know, Bo is a, is a factor. Uh, the motorhome was easier traveling with the dog if you were going to use it to go out exploring. Right. So they're both, they're both great. We still have some getting used to them. And as I said earlier, we still have our motorhome. We used it last week in the UP. But I got to confess, I wish we had had this up in the UP too, didn't you? <laughs> well, you were going on and on. You, you wanted the Arcadia. It's yeah. pretty cute. Yep. Um, so we're still kind of in the honeymoon phase with the fifth wheel. But those are our impressions so far. It's been uh, uh, sometimes challenging, but it's been a relatively overall easy transition. And I think it's gone better than both of us thought. It has. Particularly you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, comments? Let us know. Maybe you've gone through the same thing. Maybe you're thinking of the same thing. Let us know. and we'll, uh, Our email address is mikeandjen at rvlifestyle.com. When we come back, a couple of questions of the week. Stay with us. When we're asked what's the most important modification we made to our RV, it's an easy answer. Battleborn batteries. Battleborn batteries are quality, safe, reliable lithium batteries that allow us to stay out there off the grid longer. Lithium batteries charge faster, they charge fuller, they're longer lasting, they're maintenance free, and battleborn batteries are protected by a 10 year guarantee. Now, in our case, they just dropped into the existing AGM batteries that we have. And they'll probably be the same on your rig, too. Battleborn battery experts can get those in your rig just like they did with ours. They can also match you up with the right cabling, the inverter, the charger, the solar controller, everything. Jennifer and I swear by our Battleborn batteries. They allow us to boondock off the grid. Check them out. Go to rvlifestyle.com slash lithium rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. Welcome back. Time for the questions of the week. We got two of them that came in this week we want to talk about. Okay, the first one. We just returned... This is from Jackie. We just returned to our Ohio home from a month-long trip out west. Our freshwater tank is about half full. We're leaving in about two weeks on another trip. I want empty and then refill just before we go. My hubby says it will still be fine to use. Please tell me, am I right? So I can tell him 
You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jackie, you are right. Uh, particularly in the summertime. Yeah, the water goes bad. Remember those tanks are underneath. There's no very little ventilation. They can get really skunky very quick. Um, so always, uh, if, if you're not using the thing like the next day or the day after, uh, empty those freshwater tanks. Uh, I empty our freshwater tanks in our own driveway. It's fine. It's just fresh water. But they can go skunky and you do not want uh, bacteria to grow in the heat of, and become kind of stagnant. So you're right. Your husband's wrong. So how do you feel about if you live someplace really warm? Should you put a little... Bleach, in there. A little you know, bleach or something uh, every now and then. Clean I always, it out. a couple of times a year, I always, uh, at the start of the season and then about midway through the season, I try and do a little purification of the mm -hmm. tanks. A little bit of bleach will do it, and then you've got to empty it and run it and empty it until, and then run, you know, at your freshwater tank and run it through your plumbing system and make sure there's no bleach taste. But uh, it's a pretty easy process. You just need to uh, be somewhere you can fill it up and empty it and fill it up and empty it. All right, uh, second question from Erica. What is the one thing you wish you would have known before hitting the road and why? Hmm. I think for me, that is not as hard as I thought it was going to be. That uh, get started sooner. Get started sooner. Yeah, right. I think for me too. Um, we kind of jumped in um, going on 11 years ago now, and I wish we had eased in for maybe a year before that and then jumped in. But we felt the first two or three years we were making up for lost time mm -hmm. all the time. So, yeah. so start sooner. But once you have started, what are, what are some of the things that you wish you had known? Uh, for me, less is, less is more. Uh, you always are gonna take more stuff than you need. Less is great. Uh, you don't need nearly as many clothes as you think you will. And you don't need, um, you know, this and that and all sorts of other stuff. If you do an inventory of most RVers after a year, pull everything out from it and say, what did you use this year? You would be amazed at how many of those things that you pulled out were just sitting there and never used. Kind of like your house. Give some thought to your meals, uh, what you need to bring. And if, as much as possible, prepare things at home. Make it as easy as possible on yourself. One of the things we gave our permission, ourselves permission to do a long time ago was uh, to uh, eat out if we saw a place we wanted to see in a new area. Uh, we are in an area now where there are some great spots, but we're pretty remote here in the, on the Kentucky Lake. So we have brought meals for how many couple days? A couple of days. Couple well, of days. Yeah. We do plan on going into uh, one of our favorite little villages down here, a little town. But uh, bring your own food. As much as possible, plus it's healthier. It's really hard to eat out and uh, eat healthy. Yep. Eating out and eating healthy is really, really challenging. And if um, I could tell myself one thing from a long time ago before we started, I would say uh, work remotely. It's now possible for most people, if not, if not most, uh, a, a large percentage to work remotely. Maybe not full-time remotely, but, but part-time. Um, give it a try, uh, you know, where you can, like I'll be doing a lot of work while we're here at Kentucky Lake, but look what I'm gonna have behind me. I'm gonna work right from where you see the computer now. And uh, there's something about working outside in a nice area, there's a, we're in the, underneath the pavilion, it, there was a little, 
raindrops from a cloud a few minutes ago. I don't know if you heard it's a metal roof. You didn't probably hear the rain, but it was very, very nice. So one last thing before we, uh, we end this podcast. Uh, one more thing that we wish we would have known before we hit the road. You can bring your pet. It does change your agenda in a lot of ways, but you can accommodate your pet and make sure that uh, their food and their water, their bed, they know a routine, that there is some sort of a routine. Your pet wants to be with you mm-hmm. and uh, they, will, they would rather travel. They, sometimes they don't like sitting in the vehicle that long, but uh, they would rather be with you. And so always have a designated place. That's their place, just at home, uh, just like you do at home. They have a place that they know is theirs and they will come to enjoy the, the freedom and the adventure of RV travel as much as you do. All right, hope you enjoyed that podcast. Uh, look for our video uh, Saturday on uh, Paradise Landing. We'll show you what this place is like. And uh, give us your questions. We love to get your questions, your feedback. Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. Thanks for watching. Happy trails.